And this patriarchy had really amplified that and really stuck with that. If you're a man, you don't cry. If you're a man, you don't show emotion. If you're a man, you don't talk about anything that has to do in regards to a woman's body unless it's sex. And so periods off the table, crying off the table, feeling like you love someone off the table, all these things. Conversations are the key to unifying the world. So let's hear from the conversationalists and changemakers who are breaking echo chambers and using their voices for good. I'm your host, Sophie Barron, and this is the Conversationalist Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here and for being a part of our journey to unify the world. This episode is an amazing one. And before we dive in, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you can get notified whenever we have an episode. I started The Conversationalist so every single person's voice can be heard. And here on our podcast, I chat with Gen Z activists, entrepreneurs, and game changers from the TC community, as well as experts and thought leaders who are at the forefront of social change. I'm here to help break open your echo chamber so you can unify your world. I'm so excited about the community we're building together. So come join us on the Geneva app by texting UNIFY to 877-222-1119 or simply visit our website, theconversationalist.com. Once you join, you'll be able to find new friends, new opportunities, and 24-7 conversation surrounding anything and everything under the sun that matters to you. Let's dive into today's episode. I'm speaking with someone who has been here since the very beginning of TC. Not only was he on our OG advisory board, but he was also featured on our healthcare panel in the fall, the one and only Amir Abdul. Amir is a grassroots community organizer based in Columbus, Ohio, who began his work in advocacy, combating human sex trafficking, while also fighting to destigmatize issues surrounding mental health and gender equality. Amir now serves as campaign manager for period.org and is an Empower Change Fellow. Amir is passionate about inspiring civic engagement and works diligently to mobilize young activists across the country to voice their concerns and vote on a range of issues from gun violence prevention to climate change to healthcare and more. Amir shares about some awesome ways to break down the stigma so you won't want to miss this one. Let's get the conversation started with the amazing Amir Abdul. Amir, welcome to the Conversationalist podcast. I am so happy to see your face and to have you here. You're one of my favorite humans. You were also on our advisory board, so you've been really here since day one of TC. So welcome back. How are you doing? Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's it's super exciting. You know, TC has come a long way and, and it's crazy to think, honestly, it's actually crazy to think about like where it started and where it's at now. I'm always excited to be on, on call with you, you know, whether that's on uh, Clubhouse or Zoom or Riverside FM, <laughs> wherever it might be. I think, you know, it's it's always a great time with you. So thanks for having me. The feeling is so mutual. So let's kick off today's conversation in proper TC style by breaking the ice. 
Samir, I'm gonna ask you some fun rapid fire questions and I can't wait to hear your answers. So starting us off, what is your most controversial take? My most controversial, well, I think this is similar to like 90% of the world. Everyone talks about how, and this is just off the top of my head, how you shouldn't put pineapples on pizza. And I feel like this is something that everyone brings up and everyone hates the pineapples on pizza. But the truth is pineapples should go on pizza and not only pineapples, but pineapples and jalapenos together on pizza is the move. That's for sure the move. And it's either like, you know what it is, or you're just like lost. Like, that's it. There's only two types of people. And so, yeah, that's it's actually my favorite type of pizza, pineapple jalapeno pizza. Wow, that was such a spicy hot take. I'm going to be honest, I very much fall on the pineapple side of the debate. I think pineapple truly belongs on pizza, but I'm horrible with spice. So maybe you and I can compromise without the jalapenos and you can, you know, sprinkle in some hot sauce or some chili flakes after, but <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, Amir, number two, what is your most frequently used emoji? I'm pretty sure it's the laughing emoji. The Gen Z laughing emoji or the millennial laughing emoji? No, it's the Gen Z laughing emoji. So good. <laughs> on brand. We're good on, on that. Brand. Yeah, we're on brand. <laughs> Love it. That's so funny. Number three, Amir, what is your walk-up song? My walk-up song. Ooh, that's a good one. My walk-up song would have to be Stronger by Kanye West, probably. Yeah. So good. So good. And next up, Amir, what's something on your bucket list? Something on my bucket list? Uh, skydiving. I'm scared as hell of heights, honestly. And so, you know, I'm always like, I'm not afraid of the skydiving itself of like, oh, my parachute went open. Like that doesn't happen often enough for me to be afraid of that. I'm more scared of having a heart attack on the way down because of the fear of, oh my God, I'm this high off the ground type of thing, you know, and just free falling. Yeah. <laughs> like it's happening. It's actually happening. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. That's definitely on mine too. I, I can't see a world in which I would actually go through with it. However, I feel like I could be swayed to do it for the Insta. Honestly, I see that. Honest to God. Like, I think someone could convince me. Oh, well, I hope that happens one day. And Amir, last icebreaker for you. We asked this question of every person on the podcast. You know, first and foremost here at TC, we're all about breaking open the echo chamber. So tell us a little bit about what your echo chamber looks like, both in real life and on social media. Yeah, of course, everyone has a different echo chamber. And, and I think that's the beauty of the conversation. This is being, bringing people together in an attempt to, to break our individual echo chambers and, and hear each other out. And so you know, for me, before joining the conversation list, that wasn't even something that I thought as much about as I do now. For sure, it's something that occurred to me here and there, but the thought of an echo chamber wasn't something that really came to mind. But once I joined the conversation list and started working with you all, I started to notice it more. And, and really, the things that really come to mind for me is, is really being in the more, you know, liberal, progressive political space. And for so long, you hear, I guess, any type of opposition to whatever take you have in the liberal and, and progressive space, and you just don't want to listen to it. And that was me for a while until I had started, you know, trying to hear more people out. Not to say that it's, I guess, moved me further right or further left, but it for sure gave me more perspective when I was able to listen into 
different people's uh, perspective that don't necessarily agree with me, who aren't necessarily in, in the liberal progressive space. So that was one thing for me. And even, you know, looking at culturally, right? I was born in, in Denver, Colorado. I lived there until probably I was in the fourth grade, moved to Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. And so I was, I was there until I graduated high school. And so for me, all my life looked like just Arab folks, basically, like Middle Eastern folks, like, you know, you speak Arabic, that's it, <laughs> you know? And even when I moved over there, there was a culture shock when I had moved to Dubai because I was in the States for so long. But from the fourth grade to the senior year, you know, that's a, that's a lot of growth that you, you do there and it kind of builds your personality. I had moved back here for college and my mindset was still there. That was still the understanding I had, the culture. I didn't really see beyond that culture that first year, you know, and try to understand and kind of look out. And it was a little hard, right? Because that's all I knew. And so throughout the years, one, two, three years later, I was able to kind of go out there and learn more and, and break that chamber and for the better. It's so nice to to mix and understand different cultures, bring people into my culture, go into different cultures. And, you know, so there's a beauty in it. Completely. And I know, Amir, you've experienced the world in so many different ways, right? Growing up in Denver, moving all the way to the UAE and then coming to Ohio for college. Like you've been in so many places. Like, was there a moment when you were in college too that helped to break open your echo chamber? Uh, yeah, for sure. I don't know that it's one specific moment. I think it's more so of, of things that, that happen over time, you know? To put it simply, really, it, one thing was jokes. When I had first come here, I, I was like, yo, American comedy is just not funny. You know, and I, I just wouldn't laugh at it because, again, I had moved there in the fifth grade. And so every country, every side of the world, really, truly, they have their own side of comedy, they own types of things that they think are appropriate to laugh at, their own things that they think are, you know, well, if you say it to someone, well, they'll giggle or it'll brighten their day. It's, it's different. And so when I had come here, I'd hear a joke or something. Everyone's laughing and I just kind of look at them like, what? Especially cut like. The office comedy or Parks and Rec comedy, I was like, this is like, what are you all laughing at? Fast forward like two years later. Well, fast forward to now, those are my two favorite shows. But, <laughs> you know, that was something over time where the more you understand your surroundings, right, the more you go out into the world, uh, the more you see the way people act, right? You meet people, you understand different personalities, you hear people's stories, things like that. You start to understand also their sense of what they find funny and, and why this comedian or this show is kind of including this specific type of comedy in their show. And so it makes it, you know, funnier. And so over time, for sure, that had built for me and I was able to kind of get a better understanding of it. And again, like now, I mean, you know, The Office, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, those are like the funniest shows to me. If you had to pick one of the three to only watch for the rest of your life, where would you where do you stand? That's so difficult, okay? Because The Office is the easiest one to watch, where you can just jump in and watch it. Parks and Rec has a better storyline, I think. And then Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think, is like a mix of both. It's just so good. Like, that's too hard. I can't even... Wow. Taking the easy way out, Amir. <laughs> I love The Office. I need to watch Parks and Rec. I think you're so right about humor. It's like a gateway into how someone operates and thinks. So thank you for sharing that. And I want to dive in a little bit more to your experience being at Ohio State. I know you and I talked about this when we were Zooming one-on-one, -on -one, but 
Now you are doing so many amazing things in the world, right? You're a gender equality advocate. You're a campaign organizer. You do so many things in this world. But I know that that wasn't always your plan. I know you were a pre-med at Ohio State. You always thought you were going to be a doctor. Tell us what changed in your journey and was that a difficult decision for you? That's a good question. I wanted to become a physician and it was always, I either wanted to be a pediatrician or I wanted to be going to some type of sports medicine. For about four or five years of college, anyone who knew me was like, yeah, this guy like lives in the library. Like that's all I did. I'd go study. And if I'm not studying, then I was at some type of organization meeting. I was president of an organization called Humanism in Medicine, where we basically tried to equip uh, young pre-health students with the aspect of humanity. What is humanity, right? Uh, you're not going in there to treat a disease. You're going in there to treat a person. And so that was extremely important to me. And, and so I was always trying to do something to beef up my application. You know, I just wanted to get into med school. That was just the goal. But anytime anyone asked me about, hey, you know, why do you want to go to med school? I had one specific answer. It was, I want to go into med school because I want to help people on a very specific and intimate level. It's that one-on-one. -on -one. And so that's kind of what I was going for. I was always going for that. I was always an, an activist and community organizer, not professionally, but that's what I did in my free time. And so I felt like doing that was very similar as well. And I just loved it. I had a passion for it. Once I had graduated, I had looked out and I was ready to apply to med school. And at that point, that was probably right before COVID hit. And so COVID was starting to come on, lockdown was starting to happen. And I had started to look around me to see, you know, okay, it's time to apply. Do I want to apply? What am I thinking? You know, when should I apply? Maybe I'll just take a year off, that type of thing. I had already taken a year off. I'd graduated in 2018, December. And so it's been almost a year before COVID hit at that point, or maybe a little more. And I was like, no, I just, I, I just can't see myself going back to do full-time school and, and go specifically into medicine because I always thought I wanted to do medicine to help people on that intimate level, which is true, but it didn't bring me the same joy and, and happiness as organizing did. I was always someone to want to put so much passion into something. I did that through, really through my work, through studying and through my research. I did four years of public health research as well. And so I, that's where I'd pour my passion. And my favorite thing about undergrad and doing, you know, these studies and being a pre-med was actually going into public health and doing the research because I was in the field. I'd go and meet people. I'd talk to them, you know, about what are the issues in your community? How can we help you on a public health level? We have communities here in Ohio. Some of the research I worked on was one of these communities has the highest infant mortality rates in the country, majority black community. Where I'd go and speak with the people there and see what I could do to help them. And I noticed that's where I was most energized. That's where I was most motivated. I loved it. And so when I had taken a year off, that's all I did. I had joined uh, the period movement and we had organized uh, National Period Day. We had 55 rallies and across the, the country, across the world. We had presidential candidates endorse us and, and all these different things. And so I was organizing really across the country and I had joined a different organization called Empower Change, where, you know, we organized for this presidential election and, and we did a lot of work there in Michigan and in, in Georgia and really just across the country as well. And so 
I noticed that's that's just something I loved so much is being with the people, being on the ground, supporting people in every way that I can. It was hard to get to that point, but once I had realized it, it was a quick decision. I knew this is what makes me happy. This is what makes me feel energized and that's what I want to do. And I'm so proud of you for it. I I've loved watching your journey. We actually met in 2018 when you were rounding out your college experience. And it's kind of crazy when you think about the path to medicine and the path to advocacy that you're on now. In a lot of ways, there are so many parallels in the ways in which you're helping so many communities. So Amir, you're such an inspiration to me, and I so appreciate you sharing more about your journey. And it's also so encouraging, speaking as a woman, like seeing men out there joining the fight for gender equality. I know so much of the work that you do with period is also in the menstrual equity space. I'd love to know what first got you interested in these particular movements, and I guess what about these two issues resonate with you? Jumping into the menstrual equity space, I had mentioned I was part of an organization called Humanism in Medicine. And Within that organization, I, I really wanted to create a space to amplify people's voices. I always had that sense of wanting to amplify people's voices, give them a platform and, and fight for, for specific issues. And so I wanted to create a blog. And I had met with a member of my team. She's phenomenal. Uh, she was actually going into nursing and she was a great writer. And I told her, hey, I want to start a blog for the organization. Let's do this together and we'll give a platform to students here on campus. And so we did. And it was it was a blog which is still up and running and we still have the leaders of humanism and medicine now actually running it. It's called Out on a Limb. We started this blog and I was president at the time and one of the members, her name is Anusha Singh, she had wrote a piece on period, the organization and, and the menstrual equity space, the movement itself. And I had, you know, read it to edit it. Reading through it, I was like, like what is this? Like how is this first of all, how is this a problem? Like why is this a problem? How is it a problem? And just like in complete shock of like, there's no way, kind of in disbelief, and like there's no way that this is actually that bad of a problem. Like I just don't believe it because I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard of anything that of that sort, you know, a period poverty. Like how are people, you know, dealing with that? And so I did some research and I realized that this was period poverty, the lack of access to menstrual products, right? The fact that so many students, menstruating students, girls miss class and miss school because there are not enough menstrual products in the restrooms at school that when they have their period, they have to stay home because if they go to school, then they're going to have to bleed through their pants because their families can't afford menstrual products. The fact that there were mothers that we had met with that tell us that at the end of every month, I have to choose between putting food on the table for my children and buying menstrual products for myself. Things like that, that were just crazy to me reading and, and listening to. She wrote the piece, we published it, and, and I had reached out to her and I was like, hey, this is great. Thanks for writing it. And then that was at the end of it. But a couple of weeks later, she had reached out to me and she said, hey, I want to start um, an organization on campus. It's, it's going to be a chapter of this larger organization called Beard. And I said, all right, so what's up? And she's like, I, you know, I want to, I need some help just starting. And I was like, cool, like, I'll help you out. And she asked me to be the vice president. And I was, and we started it and, you know, I was like, ah, this is probably something I'm going to get into for six months and then be out, you know. I was actually in it for about two years until I graduated and, <laughs> you know, and then even after I graduated, I was uh, still on campus, still taking some extra pre-med courses. And so I was considered a student advisor to the organization as well. For people who knew me in high school, 
they were like in like disbelief like what are you a part of like what are you doing you know because this it, there's so much stigma around it periods are not something uh, folks talk about often and that's led to so many issues that's led to period poverty really joining it again it was something that i i thought i wouldn't be a part of for too long i'm just here to support it's a, an issue for sure that we should be fighting for but i was more into fighting against gun violence fighting for all these more mainstream issues but I got in the space and I'm very thankful for the women that I've worked with. Anusha, really, she's the one who brought me into the movement. Nadia helped give me a platform, Nadia Okamoto. She was uh, the founder of, of Period. Even the women I work with today, our national chapters manager, our, our social media manager, our executive director here, our programs director, all these women joining the movement, it was, I felt a little awkward, a little more timid. I didn't want to kind of go out and speak because I didn't want to take up too much space. But they gave me the confidence to go out and, and just fight for the issue like it's any other and, and make sure that I'm as inclusive as I could be. And that's exactly what I'm doing now. So thank you to them, really. Amir, you're such a rock star. We got to give you some credit. Come on. I cannot wait to go check out, first of all, the Out on a Limb blog. I want to see where it all began. So thank you for sharing your journey. And I, I'd love to double tap on something for a moment. You advocate and use your voice for so many important issues, but clearly some of the issues that you're advocating for have so much stigma around them, particularly for men, right? When we talk about menstrual equity, even gender equality, I'd be curious to know in your own words, why do you think these topics in particular are so difficult for men to talk about? I think uh, there's, a, there's a lot of, this stigma has just grown from over time, really. It, it's something that's just happened over time where at some point in the past, whenever it may have been, a lot of these issues were just considered things that men don't do. They're attached to a specific gender. And this patriarchy had really amplified that and really stuck with that. If you're a man, you don't cry. If you're a man, you don't show emotion. If you're a man, you don't talk about anything that has to do in regards to a woman's body unless it's sex. And so periods off the table, crying off the table, feeling like you love someone off the table, all these things. And so over time, it really just kept building and really got to where we are now. And, and you look out and you see how men, you know, there's such a, a rise in, in, in suicides by men. There's so many issues that men are facing emotionally that have really spread out to their families, to their children. Toxic masculinity has become so common because of that. Having all this time in the past for this toxic thing to build, to grow, it takes also some time to break it. Unfortunately, the generations before us, they didn't really take it seriously. But our generation, us, we're not playing around. And we're here to end toxic masculinity and we're here to fight it and make sure that this is going to be something of the past by the time we're done with it. I think it's, it's really important for men to stick up and fight combat toxic masculinity. There's a recent study that came out I think it was, what, 92 or 97% or uh, of women in the United Kingdom were sexually harassed by men. That is ridiculous. That 100% ties to toxic masculinity and the fact that men aren't standing up against their friends, against their fathers, against their brothers who spew such sexist language or go out and and do all these really disgusting acts of sexual harassment. We've just condoned too much of it. So uh, it's up to us to really stand up and fight for it. Completely. 
Amir, everything you just shared like fired me up. I'm so grateful that you shared that perspective. I think something that we never talk about enough with toxic masculinity is that it really affects all genders, right? Like those time old tropes affect men just as much as they affect women. We could talk about this all day long, but <laughs> I want to keep learning about you, Amir. Hey, this is Emma Jo and I approve this hot take. We all know what that sound means, Amir. It is time for a TC hot take. And for those who are listening into our conversation and are new to TC, we have a whole portion of our community dedicated to hot takes. We have a room in our Geneva community where people talk 24-7 about the most controversial hot takes and the casual at times. So today we're bringing you a hot take from one of our very own members, Emma Jo Kendall. Emma Jo's hot take for you, Amir, was very hand-selected. Emma Jo thinks that menstrual cycles are valid reasons to be excused from PE, school, or work. Where do you stand on that hot take? Yeah, I don't even think uh, that's a hot take, honestly. I think that is just, you know, it is what it is. Every menstruator uh, feels differently on their period. And if you're one of the menstruators who feels uh, like they have more energy and they're more able to go out, to, you know, and to be out there during PE, go play sports and do whatever you need to do, then so be it. But if you're one of the menstruators who maybe feels more, you know, inclined to step back, then that should also be the case. Here at Period, something that's been important is when our new executive director took, when she took control of the organization and she became our executive director and she came in, she added additional days for folks who menstruate for them to take off of, of work for PTO with the understanding that during your period, you can have a heavy cramping or a heavy flow and maybe you just you don't feel right to come into work. And so if you feel the need to take it, then you should. That's uh, very simple, I, I, I think. That's so cool. So since this is our hot take segment, let's just play out the other side because maybe that's the more controversial take. Where do you think, if you're putting yourselves in the shoes of someone who might argue that you know having your period is not a valid reason to take off of school or work, where do you think that person is coming from? Lack of perspective, lack of understanding of, of what menstruating is, a lack of understanding of what it means to have your period, how folks feel when they're menstruating, all these different things. Something I know you and I talk about a lot is perspective and understanding where people are coming from, why they're saying what they say, why they feel the way they feel. So I'd say for the overwhelming majority that doesn't believe it's a valid excuse, it would make sense to me that they probably don't understand the, the whole cycle itself, the menstrual cycle itself, and truly how menstruators feel while they're on their period. And I'd urge them really to maybe do some reading or email me, amir.period.org, and I'm happy to talk. I'm mean, give you some more perspective just from what I've seen, from the folks that I've worked with and what I've heard and the stories that I've heard. I've worked in the office and I've seen how folks that I work with, sometimes on their periods, their cramps are so bad that just during work, like you just got to take a step back and you just kind of got to lay down or something. That's something that if you're a non-menstruator, if you're a man, you don't know what that's like. And you'll never know what that's like. For that reason, you can't invalidate something that you don't understand and you've never experienced. So I'll leave it to the people and the folks that do menstruate who do know what it's like um, to tell us whether it's a valid or an invalid excuse. That's awesome. Such an interesting perspective. Thank you, Amir. I think you also pointed out something so interesting that I guess I never really thought of either, which is not all menstruators are a monolith, 
right? Like not everyone experiences periods in the same way as someone else does. It's important to have that conversation and just center menstruators at the forefront. So you're awesome. Thank you for tackling that very interesting hot take. Um, and if you're listening in and you want to be considered for our next chosen hot take, just join us in the TC community. We're going to be chatting about things like periods or pop culture or memes or politics all day long on the Geneva app. So click the link in our bio on Instagram to join or head over to our website and we can't wait to see you. Amir, I have loved learning more about your journey. Every conversation with you is such a joy. I feel like we could talk for hours on end. But as we head over to our advice segment, I'd love to know from all of your advocacy work and all of the work that you're really doing to pave a better future for Gen Z, what advice do you have for other young people out there? And that could be advice for finding your path, becoming a better advocate, having difficult conversations. What are some words of wisdom that you can share? <laughs> I'm not one to try and, <laughs> and really advise. And, and you know, I, I like to go out and, and do what I do and try to just lead by example. But, you know, something I will say to people is we're growing up and I think every generation has their own difficulty. And right now, COVID, this is our difficult time. Hopefully we don't experience something more difficult than this, but who knows. But currently this is for most of us, probably one of the most difficult things we've ever uh, been through. And during COVID, during lockdown and just being stuck at home in quarantine, I think a lot of us have really took on the role to try and be as productive as possible, get every project under the sun done that I've ever thought of wanting to do. For those of us who work from home, we're kind of like, you know, well, I'm at home, so maybe I'll just work from nine to nine because it's hard setting boundaries, right? We're just working all day. We know when you're at the office, you go in and you clock out. It's different. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves, and I think that's led to a lot of stress that we really don't need during this time. So my advice to people is have, give yourself grace. Really understand that you don't need to do every single thing in a day's time or in a week's time or in a month's time, you set the standard. You put yourself on whatever path you want. You set the timeline yourself. Don't let people come in and dictate your timeline for your life. Give yourself grace. Grow at your own pace and enjoy the ride, really. There's no rush in it. And the same thing during college. A lot of my friends would take 21 credit hour semesters to try to finish in three and a half years. Why? Enjoy it. Enjoy the process. I think the process is one of the most valuable things. You learn a lot through it and you get to meet folks and you gain so much perspective and knowledge on just different things. And so enjoy the process of it all and, and take your time and move at your own pace and enjoy it. So profound. Amir, thank you for those words of wisdom. You're the best. As we head over to our self-promo segment, Tell us more about what you're currently working on, Amir. How can we follow you, stay in touch, and keep this conversation going? Currently, I'm National Campaign Manager at Period, so period.org. If y'all want to learn more about Period, you can visit the site or you can email me at amir at period.org. So A as an apple, M as in Mary, E-E-R at period.org. Or you can follow me at Amir Abdul on Instagram. I'm really uh, all in on period right now, doing a lot of work there. We're looking out and seeing all the different policies across the country that are being introduced and passed to fight 
period poverty and, and trying to, to really bring in menstrual equity across the country. So that's kind of where my work is right now. And I know soon enough, I'm going to start have to start gearing up towards organizing for the midterms. So I'm looking uh, looking forward to that as well. Well, I can't wait to keep following your journey, Amir. This has been such a fun conversation. It wouldn't be a proper TC convo if we weren't going to end with some snaps. So Amir, I've got to give you some major snaps today just for being the amazing human being that you are. I think it really shone through throughout our entire conversation, but even during the advice segment, I love what you shared about giving yourself grace. I think not enough people hone in on that. And I think we're so hyper productive and trying to be hyper aware of everything going on in the world, but it's important to enjoy the process, trust the process. And I think that advice really resonated with me and I know will resonate with so many. So with you at the forefront of social change, I have so much hope in our generation to solve a lot of these issues, advance menstrual equity and just continue these important conversations. So Amir, thank you so much for being here today. Okay, what an amazing conversation. Thank you so much again to Amir for coming on the show. I have so much faith in Gen Z with someone like Amir at the forefront of social change. So make sure you give him a follow and read more about him in the show notes below. Today's conversation helped to break open my echo chamber in hearing Amir speak about period stigma. He had such important insights to share, and I personally believe that not often enough are we hearing from men when it comes to the menstruation conversation. Amir also taught me that real change doesn't happen overnight. When he spoke a bit about toxic masculinity and how this issue progressed over time, I learned from him that it will also take time to undo this societal norm. I so appreciated all of Amir's insights and I can't wait to keep following his journey. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please subscribe to The Conversationalist Podcast wherever you're listening right now. And if you want to meet incredible people like today's guest, come join us in the Conversationalist community on the Geneva app. We're there 24-7 to talk about anything on your mind that matters to you. Just click the link in the show notes below or click our link in bio on Instagram at The Conversationalist and check out our website, theconversationalist.com. If you want to join right here, right now, just take out your phone and text the word UNIFY to 877-222-1119 and we'll see you there. You may have been wondering what our segments mean and where they come from, like Break the Ice, Hot Takes, Let's Talk, and Snaps. So come to our community to find out and see for yourself. I'm Sophie Barron. We'll see you next time on The Conversationalist Podcast, where we amplify and unify together. The Conversationalist Podcast is a production of The Conversationalist, LLC. No part of this program can be reproduced or published without written permission from the producer. The views expressed on this podcast are not the views of The Conversationalist, its partners, team members, or affiliates. Copyright 2021, The Conversationalist.